Podcast One production. Tim Story is an acclaimed author, speaker and life coach. Tim returns to talk with me on this very special episode of A Life of Greatness. From a career dedicated to helping people around the world turn their tragedies into triumphs, Tim shares his own simple strategies to help you thrive and survive in these unprecedented times. Tim says, every day we start with a bag of seeds. We can either spread bad ones or good ones. If you are struggling to make sense of what feels like a hopeless reality right now, this conversation will arm you with all the knowledge you need to stay positive, empowered and prosper. Part of the lesson, in my opinion, is that I think we've been too fixed on the way we thought life should be. Man, this is a time to really just say, okay, maybe my life has become too external. I really believe that we were so caught up as a world and just external gratification, we really need to reset. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life, and hopefully yours too. Tim's story has worked with people from all walks of life, from entertainment to executives, celebrities and athletes, to adults and children in the most deprived neighbourhoods in the world. In this episode, you will learn proven strategies for navigating today's difficult realities to not only come back stronger, but fearless and full of love. Tim, people are really, really scared right now with everything that's going on at the moment. There's a collective anxiety which is growing. How can we be joyful at a time right now? I think, number one, people should be nervous. And so, you know, my, my thing is I'm a, I'm a realist. And so I think anytime you deal with a dilemma, you got to face the facts but realize that somehow, some way you're going to get through the facts. So let's say if if somebody is facing a mountain, there's various ways to get on the other side of the mountain. You either got to go through the mountain, around the mountain, you got to go over the mountain. Okay. But we have a mountain that's, that's hit the world. Like we have not seen, you know, in our lifetime. Yes. So I think to ask people to be joyous is is a little too much. Yeah. I think what we should be is grateful. Yes. I think we should be um, loving, compassionate. And then I think that out of all that comes the emotion of joy because we are helping each other, loving each other, caring for each other. So I think that we are in a season of of difficulty and hardship Mm. and we need to really pay attention to that. But at the same time, be very grateful. Tim, you have a way of thinking, like I've known you for a while now, and you have a way of thinking very differently from a lot of other people and you have this amazing mindset. How did you Um, really get that mindset? Like where where did that come from? I think that that part of it is innate where – I was an optimistic young person, but then I think that a lot of it is learned behavior. Yeah. And um, when I was probably about 10 years of age, I had a teacher 
And he was just a phenomenal teacher. He began to tell me about different books, biographies of about different people. I began to read about people that did amazing things in life. And um, that made me want to be different. And the more I read about people like Picasso or Michelangelo or uh, famous musicians, I saw that there was a discipline component. And in order to be the person that they became, they had to become disciplined. And so discipline played a, a real key role in my life then, and it still does today. I'm very disciplined in the way I think and the way I respond and even with my emotions. We touched on feeling grateful just before, but for someone that's out there who's lost their job and they are, you know, they don't have enough money at the moment to be able to even nearly feed their family. How can someone like that feel grateful? Like what is something that they can look at to feel grateful when they just feel hopeless right now? You know, in in knowing that we were going to dialogue, I started studying something on adversity. Yeah. The word adversity means difficulty, hardship, tragedy. And what, what's going on right now is that we are dealing with adversity and that, you know, all of us have a plan and then hopefully we have the right partners in our lives for our plan. But what we're dealing with right now is a major, major problem and dilemma that just jumped up. So there's adversity. There is difficulty, hardship, tragedy that has just shown up. Here's the interesting thing about this is that most people don't know how to deal with adversity. Mm. They're really fight or flight people. Don't you see that so much in the people that you're working with? A hundred percent. And I think it's a lot of the time they haven't been put in situations like this. So they're kind of working with what they know. So this is like we spoke about earlier. This is like a first time for a lot of people in, in, you know, in the world. Yeah, so that's that's one reason that I'm excited about, um, you know, you're you're creating a program and teaching people how to deal with difficulty. Where I'm going to ask you a series of questions about how to get through difficulty, because a lot of people need to be, as you said, educated on how to properly get through. Yes. So we we can't avoid it. We can't just wish it away. We can't just think, oh, that was a nightmare, and now I wake up to the regular me. Sarah, the reality is life as we knew it before has shifted. Mm. And even though we're going to get back out there and people are going to Bondi Beach again and they're going to go to all these places and, you know, I live out by Malibu and these areas, and people will get back out there, but I guarantee you, even a year from now, we're going to be thinking different yeah. about the high five, about hugging, and about the double kiss. We're going to be thinking different. What do you think at the moment, and I know we're you know, only a part way into this, what do you think the messages are that you've learned so far from this? Well, the idea of this adversity that we had talked about, um, in my notes I'd written down that there are three common reactions. And one is people get dispirited. Yeah. It's an interesting word. To be dispirited means that somebody pulled the spirit out of something. 
It means to dishearten or to sap the energy. Notice, even with your friends, a lot of people are feeling dispirited. And um, people are losing jobs, okay? People are wondering how they're going to make ends meet. Mm. Even socially, I mean, what's happened? I mean, people aren't used to being quarantined and being put on lockdown. Well, that's it. So they're being dispirited. And another thing people are feeling is overwhelmed. To be overwhelmed means to be swamped, submerged, engulfed, and buried. Nobody likes that feeling. So how does one get over that? Or, you know, I know that the situation at the moment is bleak for so many, but how does a person wake up every day and not just focus on the negatives? Okay, so I'm going to give you some steps. So number one, you have to become awake. So I think a lot of people are still kind of sleepwalking through this and they're not realizing that truly it's that bad, that that's why they have to close most beaches. Like it's really that bad. So yeah, you have to, you have to wake up. Yeah. After you become awake, you have to take inventory and you have to say, Sarah, where is your life? Or Tim, where is your life? How is this affecting my job? How does this affect my children? How does this affect my parents? So in my case, uh, part of the way I make a living is through public speaking. Yeah. And I make a lot of money speaking. I've had seven of my speaking engagements postponed because of what's going on with the fact that we are having to stay indoors, mm-hmm. right? The other situation I have is I have an 89-year-old mother who's very strong. But my doctor... And her doctor have said, probably not a good idea that you go visit her. She's 89 years of age, right? Yeah. And we just can't take any chances, even though she's in good shape, mm-hmm. doing well. So there's my financial side being hit. And then my side, even with how I deal with my 89-year-old mother. And so number one, you become awake. And number two, you take inventory. And once you take inventory, you realize what you have and what you don't have. Right. And then the third thing is you look to partner with power. And that's why your podcast is needed more than ever. And that's why our numbers are up higher than ever is because people are looking to partner with power. So you got to partner with power and through the wisdom that they may give to you or you, you give to them, then we begin to find. Uh, resolutions and answers to make our way through. I know that uh, you refer to a lot of scriptures a lot of the time, which are, you know, really empowering and, and one that you speak about quite a lot. He who works his land shall have abundance. How are people who are isolated now able to still be able to do that? I first want to say to the people who don't believe in God and to the ones who do not go to scripture that I still think this applies. Yeah. And um, as a, as a spiritual leader for so many years, I have a doctrine of world religion is, you know, I think I don't blame people for questioning spirituality at a time like this. 
because life is not always black. It's not always white. Sometimes it's real gray. Mm. <laughs> so we're living in a really great time right now. And so, you know, I was talking to an actress and her, her father is in the hospital with the virus. Okay. I have so many friends that have the virus. So that's not black. That's not white. That's giantly gray. Now, but the principles still work. He who works his land shall have abundance. He shall have a harvest. So the thing that we've got to do now is we cannot sit in our setback. So just because you are commissioned to go home or you lost your job, we can't sit in the setback. So now we got to wake up. It's a new day and we got to plow the ground. We got to plant the seed. We got to water the seed and then we're going to reap a harvest. Now, what there's going to be, and I'll say this as a life coach, you've got to make adjustments now. Yeah. And so what I did, once I lost seven major speaking engagements, I met with our team and I said, okay, we got we to change this up. I'm going to have to start doing everything online. So I started emailing companies I've worked with in the past and they started biting. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I want you to do this seminar. Yes, I want you to teach my team. Yes, teach my staff. So you see how we have to just readjust? Pivot. But we still got to plow, plant, water. We still will reap a harvest. That's very true. And I think it is. It's like, you know, and I, I, I feel that, you know, when I see this collective in Australia, the businesses, like everyone's pivoting and they're doing such a good job. Like a lot of the cafes that are being shut down or restaurants, you know, bang straight on it with takeaway, um, doing home deliveries and all that kind of stuff. So people... I'm seeing like people do amazing things right now. And I think it's really, it's taking people out of their comfort zone, but it's pushing them in a way that's actually giving them the qualities or attributes to pursue things that they would never have really thought about. Going back to what you said before about spirituality and looking at God and at a time like this, and obviously people can either lean into that or they won't. But I personally believe having faith at a time like this is so unbelievably important because really, if you don't have faith, I mean, what what do you have? How, and I know that, you know, not just going on the situation that we have in the moment, but things that, adversities that have that have come, come into your life, how has your faith been of support to you? Yeah, I, I think that, and I like... Sir, I think you said it very nicely that I, I believe that like, let's say if you had a watch and your watch was not acting correctly, you take it to the jeweler. If your car is not acting correctly, you take it to the mechanic. And I think that if we're having challenges in life, if there is a creator, then that would be the place to go. Yeah. Because the creator created me. So the way I look at it is I believe this. I believe Ephesians 2.10 that says that we are God's work of art and that we have been created to do good and wonderful things. And so in the midst of my pain, I want to go back to my creator and say, I need supernatural strength. I need supernatural wisdom. Mm. I need supernatural grace. Like, let me give you an example. 
there are different types of lawnmowers. Like you see like grass that grows high. One time I was in Nigeria and I saw this man and he was cutting this building. It was a, it was an office complex and he was cutting the grass in front of the building with a machete. So he's cutting it. And I was sitting in a car waiting for my friend and I thought, wow, never seen that. And I thought that's going to take a long time. You know, with my sense of humor, I thought he's going to cut that part. And by the time he gets over there, this part's going to grow again. And I thought as as poor as we were growing up in Compton, California, that at least we had a push mower. And so there there are different ways to cut grass. You got the machete, you got the the, the push mower. Then remember you had the the gas one, the electric. But the cool thing, Sarah, you can get on one of those tractor types yeah. Go. So to me, by tapping into supernatural strength, that you are jumping on a big supernatural tractor that can get you through things more effectively and more efficiently. This is what I am finding in my own life, where you have supernatural thinking, supernatural empowerment, supernatural believing, supernatural endurance and God leading you to supernatural partners. This is a huge time for a lot of people in stepping into the unknown. It's probably one of the biggest unknowns that the world has gone through in years. The unknown is such a scary place for so many people. And I know through doing a lot of the work that I have studied that the unknown is actually a place of creation. But people who are not used to being in the unknown and who find this very overwhelming, how, how can you allow them to embrace this? What tips can you give? I, I love what you just said. I feel that by feeling undone, this could be a beautiful opportunity to discover new things. Yeah. Now, the challenge is that at the same time, people are dying. Okay. At the same time, it's changing people's lives with their jobs shutting down. I mean, friends of mine that own large restaurant businesses, trouble because people can't go to the restaurants. I have one friend that owns over a hundred gyms, like to work out, Mm. trouble. So in the midst of the unrest and things that are unsettled and undone is that you, you start to look for what is the lesson to be learned here? And part of the lesson, in my opinion, is that I think we've been too fixed on the way we thought life should be. Totally. And that is like many times like, oh, I get married, then I have kids, then we are awesome, and then we post how awesome we are, and then we become more awesome And then our kids get older and we talk about how awesome they became. Man, life just kind of punched a hole in all that crap. Man, this is a time to really just say, okay, maybe my life has become too external. I really believe, Sarah, that we were so caught up as a world and just external gratification. Yeah. We really need to reset. Someone said to me the other day, you know, uh, the football's been cancelled, my holiday's been cancelled, 
I have nothing to look forward to. Like, what are other ways that people can sit with themselves at a time like this and be so unbelievably conscious of their thoughts that they allow this negativity to kind of pass over them and to be really present with what's going on? I think most people are going stir crazy right now. Yeah. Because they have to actually listen to their own thoughts. And then we become a generation of human doings rather than human beings. To be a human being, as you know, as well as me, is to be fully present, fully feeling, fully alive. We have become a culture that is not present. Yeah. We're not present in the present. Our, our son could be playing um, football and you missed that he did something great. Our daughter could be doing ballet and you miss that she just did something fantastic because we're texting, we're looking at things, we're on social media, we're missing. So I think that what's happening here, it's a very hard lesson that we have to say, I need to somehow, some way, slow down to the speed of life. Mm. See, like, I cannot believe I'm in my mid fifties plus like, how did that happen to me? I used to be little Timmy story with the big Afro and dancing like Michael Jackson. How the heck did this happen to me? We've got this magazine in America called AARP yeah. and you get it like after you're like 50. I remember when it showed up to my house, I'm like, what? You got this wrong. Okay. So I think that even though I'm very present, like according to my friends, I'm very present. I'm even more present now. Mm. You get it? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm even more present. So it's a difficult lesson that most of you that are watching are flunking. You are flunking the test. Mm. And so that's why you're looking for more external things. Uh, one of my friends, Alan, who's super cool, he says, I finished Netflix, <laughs> which was a joke on, I watched it all. Yeah. But that's it, so I suppose. Not- it is about, I mean, Netflix is amazing. There are so many amazing shows on that. But it's also about putting your time into things that aren't just kind of social media and, I mean, sure, follow inspirational people, but don't get caught up in wasting this time either because so much can come out of, using this time where we are actually at home more than we would be. Yeah, we're doing our jobs from home, but a lot of time, you know, the capacity of the job can only be done so much. So we have extra time. This is a way to be able to use that extra time for good things. Yeah. So I need to, I need to go back to what you said, because that was brilliant. You talked about different tools we could use. One was mm-hmm. meditation, as you said. The other thing I think is conversation but really taking time not just to speak, but to listen. So I also feel like the art of listening is like a lost art. Um, Most men that I know are not good listeners Mm. at all. They're like, give me the bottom line. And so a lot of my friends that are probably watching right now, you guys have been calling me, asking me to go do things. (laughs) Because they're telling me, like, get me out of here. Because they're not used to even conversing with the person that they live with, yeah. they're dating, that they're married, for real. Mm. So meditation's one, conversation's another. 
Yeah. Learning less, learning to listen. It's so unbelievably important. And it's, I mean, it's a really bizarre situation to think that, you know, you are at home with potentially a partner or your kids or, you know, whoever. And it is that time, taking that time to be really present for everyone in your life. Tim, I know that you deal with a lot of sick people generally in your work or you have dealt with them. Obviously, there are people at the moment who are unwell, who are, whose ceilings are unbelievably low. How can we best help those people or equip people who are dealing with people who are sick, who have the virus, or just sick in general and who are really scared about potentially getting the virus? What are the best things we can say to those people to help them in this situation? I think one of the greatest things that we can do is just be present yeah. and just be there. Like, um, you're right. I'm very much involved in the addiction world. Mm. I'm, I am a partner and a owner of several addiction centers for drug and alcohol treatment, but very large ones. I'm also in the space of prison reform that originally started with my great friend, Robert Downey Jr. And, um, we do a lot of things with um, helping people that are incarcerated. So I find that whether someone's incarcerated or going through rehabilitation or they're physically ill, you know, with things even outside of the virus, is that many times when you're just present and you just are there for them, and it could be just showing up with acts of kindness mm. as far as... Um, calling someone and seeing if they need you to go to the store and, and, and buy them groceries or how are they doing with their food or do you need me to walk your dog or what do you need me to do? So I think it's being present and then paying attention for small acts of kindness that really go a long way. Yeah. It's also a very funny time for kids right now, kids and early teens who might not be able to kind of, they know something's different, but they don't know the ins and outs of really what's going on right now. How can we explain to them that obviously they've realised that things have changed, but we don't want to instil a fear in them as well? What is the best way to explain to these kids why the situation has changed? That's a great question. And I think that, that I'm, first of all, I got to say this. When I was nine, um, we used to play a lot of American football and we would play on the street. We wouldn't tackle each other, but you'd catch the ball and then they would call it tag football. And I remember one time I went and knocked on my friend's door and said, you know, I asked the mother, can Mikey come out and play? And she said, no. Uh, unfortunately, he's not here. He's at a funeral. And I said, oh, I didn't really get it at yeah. nine. And so when Mikey came back the next day, I said, Mikey, where were you? He goes, oh, I went to a funeral. I said, well, what happened? He goes, well, my uncle died. I said, well, how come? He goes, I don't know. He just died. I said, you got an uncle that died? Because when I was nine, I wasn't really thinking about death. Mm. So I think that the things that are going on right now with the virus, our children being pulled out of school, the things that they may catch on the news, 
it really is a good time to talk to our children that there are seasons in life, just like in, you know, other parts of the world, not so much just where you live or where I live, because yeah. it's a lot sunny where we are. But there are, there are winter, springs, summer, and falls. And you could tell your children, this is a bit of a winter season. There are some difficulties and some hardships that we usually do not face. It's just like people getting older and sometimes not doing as well, right? Yeah. Are people losing their job? You know, these are difficult times in life that let's call them harsh winters. Mm. Okay. But we still have the, the tools and the skills, right? And we could have the mindset to get through these difficulties. So it's important for you to know the difficulties will come, but we could have the right tools, skills, and the right mindset to get through these difficulties. So you're really teaching them, maybe even at five, six, seven, eight, things that will help them at 18, 19, and 20. That's so true. And, you know, it is about looking at things with a different mindset because at the moment, if we don't do that, then what do we have? Like we've been forced into this situation. So I wanted to read a poem. This is a poem by one of my favourite Sufi poets called Rumi. And it's kind of the premise of it is, you know, based on what you've said and what we've been talking about is whatever life throws at us to greet it without fear or loathing. Yeah. This being human is a guest house every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if you're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honourably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I just, I I read that yesterday and I just thought, my God, like how many messages in that are so unbelievably pertinent for what we're going through right now? You know, unfortunately, the situation we are in has happened, but we have to be grateful for what we've got around us. And I think you and I spoke one day and I was saying to you, you know, I'm grateful that I get to sleep in a little bit more. And I know that sounds so oh yeah, whatever. But it really likes it when you look, when you break things down and you look at, okay, I don't have to drive to work. So I get to sleep in a little bit more and then start my day doing work. That's a positive. That's something to be grateful for. My kids are at home because school's closed. So I get to spend more time with them. I'm grateful for that. You know, I feel that mm. life gives us things. And if we, we can look at it one way or we can look at it another, it's, you know, Wayne Dyer said, the, you know, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And I think that quote is so unbelievably powerful at a time right now. Yeah. Number one, there's a lot of truth in that poem. And I agree with what you're saying is that you, you have to pay attention to the wonderment. Mm. And that's one thing that a lot of children, they just never lose. I, I know children that have been abused but they still are into wonderment. Like they know that I know certain people like actors and they'll say to me, um, what's this person like? Or what's that? What's that per-? And the mother might say to me, well, he never talks to anybody like that. Well, there's no matter what we go through, um, 
we can still have that sense of wonderment. Let me give an example. Nelson Mandela was incarcerated for 27 years for something that he did not do. Mm. But he said that one of the things that helped him when he was at Riker Island at the prison there, which was, a, he was in three different prisons. That was a place he was in the longest. He said that there was a window and through the window, he could see the water and he could see the sun. And he said certain times of the day, just looking out of the window and seeing the water and the sun was this thing that brought on this awe of, oh my gosh, I may be imprisoned, but life is still there. Mm. So in the, in the midst of your incarceration, whatever that may be, look out the window and realize the wonderment is still there. You know, it's funny you say that because the other day I was taking my dog for a walk and I did exactly that. We were walking and then the sun was rising and I looked up and the sky was beautiful, absolutely beautiful colors. And I thought to myself, you know, things are changing, but there are some things that never change. The beauty in them will always stay the same. And I think exactly what you said, if we can hold on to those things and put them really close to our heart, they're the things that can keep us happy right now. 100%. One thing I've noticed in the last few weeks is there is actually a lot more kindness than I've seen before. So like, you know, I'm noticing people are smiling at me, that they're talking to me, like, you know, we'll be, I'll be walking, like I said, walking the dog and they'll, you know, from a distance stop and chat or whatever. There's this beautiful sense of community that I feel wasn't there before. Why do you think that is? Because we have figured out that we have more in common than we thought Mm. is because no matter what culture we're from, no matter what country we're from, we're all facing the same dilemma. So it really puts us in a common space. And um, so whether you're from Sri Lanka or Sydney or Beverly Hills, California, we have a virus, we have a challenge, and um, we're realizing that we are human beings and that there is a a frailty to life that we often don't think about. Life is very frail. It's frail and it's fragile, but we don't like to think that way. Mostly the guys who are really into like everything extreme, male and female. Mm. But I think that um, this challenge of this virus has really helped us realize again that we have a lot more in common than we thought we did before. Well, that's it. I think a lot of, a lot of people are, a lot of spiritual teachers are calling that out. And it's something that I thought of before. If the, if the world ever wanted to show us that we're one, well, hello, this is the biggest way that they could have. And you can either fight against that and just take care of yourself and the people with you, or you can be a community and be that helping hand for everyone that needs it right now. Because, yes. you know, there's a collective beauty as much as there's a collective anxiety out there at the moment, there's a collective beauty too. And, you know, the kindness in people has just been so overwhelmingly beautiful. Yeah. So the, the question is, will you answer the call? And I think for you, Sarah, um, one thing that I really enjoy about you 
is that you are answering a call. I feel, I feel like all of us have been called. Yeah. And I had said this to you before that Oprah Winfrey loves this statement that I say that I don't believe in chasing anything. I just want to cooperate with what heaven has already said. And so I think all of us are called. And since I was little, I knew I was supposed to help people. And as I became a humanitarian at only 18, 19, 20 years of age, I knew I was called to help people. And so I think your calling calls you. And so I think with you that, you know, you're doing what you do. You are interviewing people about the traits of the greats. But more than that, you are actually life coaching people through different parts of their life. Mm. Because we've been hit in all the major, some people call them the seven pillars. Yeah. We've been hit from the spiritual side to the entertainment side to the financial side to all the different sectors. And I feel like your calling is calling you. So let me ask you a question for a minute. Yeah. Do you feel like for yourself that you've almost pushed the reset button, even though you were doing well and answering the call? Don't you feel like you're almost more called? Oh, I totally agree. I definitely think that I have been. And, you know, I hope that I'm showing up. Well, I don't hope. I know that I'm showing up to this and I'm trying to give back to as many people as possible during this time because, you know, there are so many people that are struggling. So me providing these messages to them, if that's able to help them in some way or another and give them solace at a time like this, then, man, I'm here for anyone, you know? Like, it, it's, you know, there's there's something in giving in that kindness where when you give out, you know, you just feel so great as well to see someone smile or to receive a message from someone to say, who's saying how listening to an episode has really changed them and been able to help them get through this time. Like, you know, my job's done, Tim. I, I totally agree with you. I've had to change things here and there and I'm, I'm just moving as I can. Uh-huh. And I'm completely looking within too. Like I've had some really, really deep moments where I've been able to connect with myself. And that's been a really beautiful thing. I like what you're saying. And I think that, you know, in knowing you, you're making impact, not just on all of us that are listening, but also on your children. And for all of you that are watching that have children, um, your children are watching you and they're, they're listening to you. Yeah. So the way you react and respond to this crisis is paramount. If I was you, I would not have the news on all day and let them constantly hear scary stories because I don't think some people are built for that. I think when you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, you're not built to hear negative news all day. I agree. So if you have to get your news, then get your news uh, on a certain time where you take it in. It doesn't always have to be through a television. It could be something you read and then you you tell your children what you need to do and tell them at the time. But you need to let them know that your house is still an oasis. It's still a firm foundation. And then no matter what beats against it, it's not going to be shaken. That is so important right now. Yeah, I think that is so unbelievably important. And I know, I mean, I don't watch the news before this whole thing anyway. And 
I definitely don't allow my kids to do that because, you know, I realised that there were times where I grew up watching the news and then being a radio producer for many years, I had to be the pulse of what was going on. And when all that shifted, my life was so much happier when you're not thrown all these negative things and you just deal with what you can in your family for this moment. It's so, and keep that, as you said, that oasis, keep that as a really sacred space. What do you think, Tim, are the biggest obstacles right now to get rid of this virus? I think that it's, um, people have a real difficult time with submission. It's, it's a word that we don't really use too much in this day and age, but it's a word that was used in the past more. And to, to, to submit to something is to yield. And let's say if you're driving in America, the yellow, the yellow light means something. The red light means something. The green light means something. And if you don't submit to the yellow, to the green, to the red, there's going to be trouble for everybody that's driving. Mm. So I think that when somebody is in authority and they say that this is the way it needs to be, we need to submit to these laws. Let's, let's not go to the beaches, okay? Let's not go to all the trails. Let's not have meetings with groups over this amount. And when people refuse to submit, we've got big problems. And so there's a real problem of submitting to authority that we have become such a, um, a generation that has so many selfish images coming at us. Be careful of how much you take in of that because you might become that person. And this is a, this is a time to submit. It's a time, you know, even a guy that does what I do at a high level, I'm in my house. I was telling a friend um, about all these opportunities I'm getting to go to celebrities' houses that I work with, and I won't even go to their house because I've been asked to stay in my house. Mm. So I'm submitting. Even I might irritate one or two of them because they're used to getting what they want, right? But I'm, I'm submitting. So this, this word submission is, is really, really important right now that we just become team players and work together. Right now, we're being asked to isolate ourselves and to be with a small group. I believe that that is a valid answer. And we, we start with that and then we go on and on and on. In this time right now, how would you define happiness? I think, I think that happiness to me is more of this contentment, to be content. As that, um, I, found, I found contentment at a very early age. You know, I remember even when my father passed away, I never cried at his funeral. And I loved him a lot, but that's just not how I showed emotion at that age. And I've been through a lot of amazing things in life, like mind-bogglingly amazing things, but I've been through a lot of pain. And I found that 
that even in the in the pain and in the struggle, that there was this contentment and this happiness that was there that in my opinion was not natural. It was supernatural. Mm. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says that God will keep you in a state of peace if your mind is connected to him. So that's a lot of my strength, man. I, I'm like you, I meditate and I meditate a lot on the things of God and the promises of God. And it, it keeps me in a place of contentment and therefore happiness. Right now, what are you most grateful for? Um, I'm grateful before the virus and during the virus, I am grateful for life. I love to live. Uh, to live, one of the definitions of life is animation. And I'm extremely animated. Um, my friends joke with me because I sing, I'm not a great singer. Uh, now I'm trying to act and I may not be a good actor. <laughs> and I'm very animated. I'm full of life. So I, I am grateful for the opportunity to live. Mm. What an awesome opportunity to live. I like living. I like living. After this is all over, what is a life of greatness to you? Um, I think that after this is all over, then we face new things. And so I feel that before the virus, that me and you had a certain mindset. Mm. During the virus, I have a certain mindset, even though it's getting adjusted and I'm being stretched. And as we work through the virus, I will still have the same mindset. So, so the life of greatness to me is to answer your call, okay? To answer your call and then have impact on the world around you. Tim Story, as always, thank you for your beautiful words of wisdom. You're welcome. Stay connected by following A Life of Greatness on Instagram at A Life of Greatness Podcast. For more information and to watch videos on this and other episodes, head to sarahgrimberg.com. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate and review A Life of Greatness on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. A Life of Greatness is a Podcast One Australia production. Executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nikolic and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au.